Merry Christmas from all of us at Harvest Bible Church to you. We hope you enjoy this message from our guest speaker. You can learn more about Harvest Bible Church or watch the full service at harvestbibleonline.org. Well, first, I'm happy to be with you guys this evening. And uh, everyone else that's watching online, welcome. Pastor Pastor Mark, is. I do have a, he has three children, so it's myself, uh, my brother, and then my, my little sister. She's the youngest, and so she uh, fell in love with some dude that lived in Ohio. <laughs> we love Isaac, but I'm just saying, he took her away. Um, so <laughs> so, so uh, dad has to go visit her, um, you know, and see the grandbabies over there and all that, so... I believe and trust that they're having a, a good time, you know, so uh, <clears throat> so that's if you wonder where Pastor Mark's at, that's where he's at, all right? He'll be back for uh, Sunday service, so don't worry about that, but uh, <clears throat> let's just dive into this, and like what Ryan said, you know, he, uh, basically what, what I want to speak on tonight, this evening, is uh, prefer, it <clears throat> pertains to the word deliverance. And actually identifying strongholds. That's a, that's a big uh, aspect because a lot of times you and I feel like we're hitting, you know, hitting our head against the wall and we just don't understand. Like when we do our self-analysis or different things like that, um, you know, what, what, what's keeping us or what's, what's, you know, kind of against us, so to speak. And a lot of it is making sure that you truly live a, a life that is completely and 100% open to the Lord, so that He can, you know, mold you and change you into the image of Christ. You're not, you're not, you know. There, there's never a part of you that you're going to be able to keep for you. Okay, I mean, the Bible simply says, and I can't start preaching real fast because I got a lot of information. But the Bible says this: says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So if you say, "Well, I'm just going to keep this tiny piece," eventually that tiny piece could potentially take you to hell. You know, because there is a heaven, there is a hell. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Those, these are realities, okay? You're not living on, in hell right now. This is not your hell. There's a, there's a place where you will be 100% void of God and void of anybody that knows God, and that will be literal hell, all right? Because right now, even in our worst, when we, when we think that we're mad at God, when we, you understand how I'm phrasing that, when we're so frustrated and upset and nothing ever is going right, and we, we think we might be mad at God, we still have the opportunity that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, we're, we've never, you and I have never experienced a life devoid, you know, like without his existence. And so I don't know about you, but that, just the thought of that kind of brings a hellish torment to my main. I don't think about that. It says whoever, he says that he keeps himself in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So I'm just, I just try to envision what, it, what I might see when I get to see the throne of God. And that way I just stay in perfect peace. Why? Because I'm living every day like it's my last day. Yes. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the point. The point is, is I judge myself every morning and every night when I go to bed. So if I need to repent, I do it then. <laughs> Thank God for 1 John 1, 9. That's for somebody. All right. So check this out. Deliverance and identifying stronghold. So stronghold, uh, in this case, is, it's, it's a noun. So I want to give you the definition so we kind of understand uh, through scripture <clears throat> uh, what it's referring to. So it says, it's actually a place that has been fortified so as to protect itself against attack. Um, the second thing is a place where a particular cause or belief is strongly defended or upheld. 
And here's the funny thing about a, strong, a stronghold. Sometimes you don't realize that it's an actual stronghold um, until somebody pokes it and then you get offended and you get upset and you want to defend it. You want to say, why? Okay, so, so <clears throat> I'm going to help you tonight. This may not be the, the, the most, woohoo, he really got me, uh, you know, fired up sermon. It's going to probably be more of the fact of, whoa, he really has me thinking message. So I want you guys to pull, you know, so that I can definitely uh, give it to you uh, <clears throat> tailored form fit for you right? But at the same time, um, that is, I want you to understand that we're looking to, we're looking to make sure that, that there's nothing holding us back from God's best. You know what I mean? And that's the biggest thing. Cause a lot of times, and, um, uh, what, what we're see, what I'm seeing is, yeah, there's, there's individuals that, you know, get saved or going on with God and, uh, you know, when, but they have such a radical experience and then, you know, we see them manifest with the demonic oppression or what, you know, the, 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 the demons that basically have claimed them and we get to deal with that. But what I've also seen is, is Christians that have been saved for years and years and years and years and don't, and never took the time to uh, really pursue God. So there was, there was, it never manifested. It never, but at the same time, these Christians are the ones that are really frustrated because they don't consider themselves one of the lucky Christians, you know, <clears throat> you know, where, well, everything always works out for them. Just doesn't work out for me. That kind of, a, that kind of an attitude, you know what I mean? No, all prayer works and it, and God is the rewarder of, of uh, whoever diligently seeks him. Amen. All right. Amen. You guys should be walking in the blessing. It says that the blessing made Abraham rich and added no sorrow to it. So you should have your own version of, of, of being rich. I'm extremely wealthy. Got six kids, all my bills are paid, and I'm, you know, that's 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 all that necessarily. And I actually have time to spend with my with my family and enjoy them. That's true riches for me. I'm happy. You know what I mean? I don't need a jet, not yet. The Lord didn't tell me I did, so I don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <clears throat> that's just just a little joke there. But uh, if you know what we've lived through, that message. Okay, but let's go. To, let's get in the Bible. Second Corinthians chapter ten. Okay, I'm going to start uh, in verse one. It says here, now Paul, I myself am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in the in presence am lowly among you, but being absent am bold towards you. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. All right? Remember the definition, basically a place where a particular cause or belief is strongly defended or upheld, okay? Which means that it's a belief that's actually contrary to the word of God. Contrary to, even though, and sometimes if you don't rightly divide the word, you can think you have a revelation, but it's so out of context that that's why it produces no power. Because it's, it's it basically, and this, this is why the Bible says this, it says, study to show yourself approved, Okay? Even when it talks about prayer, God says, come let us reason together. He says, put me in remembrance. It's not because God forgot. It's because he wants to make sure that you know. You know what I mean? That's, the, that's, that, that's a, the big, a big uh, aspect of it. Now, luckily, you know, Pastor Mark is, a, is an amazing man and, and growing up, he's an amazing father. So I always knew what he said I could take to the bank. 
But there were times where we would be like, hey, can we go to Dairy Queen after church? Like when we lived in Pennsylvania, in Pittsburgh. And they'd be like, yeah, we can go. And then, but a lot happens in that, you know, when you're the pastor, you got to be the first there and there and the last one there. So that was two hours or whatever it is. (laughs) You know, they may not want to still go afterwards. So what do I do? As a child, I put him in remembrance of what he said. And so... Those, those, those were the times where we didn't go and sit down and hang out. We just got a dilly bar and left. But the point is, you know what I mean? It, it was, uh, you know, he, he's like, yeah, oh, all right, you remember, okay. I put him in remembrance of what he said. And that's the same thing with God. God says, oh, I, I said yes, put me in remembrance of it because that's, it's your hunger. It's your faith. It's whatever uh, level of demand that you put on God is what he's going to respond to, Okay. In verse 5, it says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And that's, I don't want to preach on this too much, but that's an interesting statement. You're going to punish and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That's kind of cool. He says, when your obedience, do you know that obedience is greater than sacrifice? right? This is why, and I'm going to meddle just real quick, just real quick to help some of you real quick, okay? If you don't tithe, you can't tell me you believe in offerings because offerings are after the tithe. And if you say, well, I have money problems, I'm going to tell you right now why you have money problems is because you don't put God first. You don't, you don't put him 10%. You're like, well, it's too much money. I understand. My tithe is a truck payment too. It's, it's a lot of money. But I also know that every t- if I don't tithe, for whatever reason, little foxes come and, and, and steal, steal all of my money. Everything breaks, I haven't necessarily tried it by design, but there was times in my life where everything went kind of, things started breaking and, and I was like, what in the heck? All these little things and all of our money's just going all these different areas. And I go look back and yep, sure enough, the tide didn't come out. So what do I do? I fix that and repent and get God's protection back on me. You know what I mean? Because was, that's the biggest thing. And then yes, and because I'm a tither and because I'm a giver and with giving, you know what I mean? I mean, that's not, if I know a lot of you guys that are, that do really well, you say, well, I need a lot of tax write-offs, so I just appreciate the church. That's cool. Most of my giving is non, you know, it's, it's God telling me to find somebody to help fulfill a need. Because God told us this too, and this is just to help you guys, especially with this Christmas season and different things, um, is that your need is always bigger than somebody else's need. And somebody else's need is always bigger than yours. So that's the way God works. God will always get somebody that can meet your need but can't meet his own. So that if God, it's a covenant relationship. If, you, if you're listening and obey, and you move, I, I can have you meet this family's need, then I'm going to move on this person's behalf to meet your need. Because, of, you know, and that's just how God's, it's a covenant, okay? You can expect it to always, always work out as long as you're obedient. And then also real quick, especially if, for the men that are watching and the men in here, you need to make sure that you always remind yourself and understand this, that your family is good ground and is the best ground that you can sow into, Every time you spend a dollar on them, you're sowing seed into good ground. You need to pray over that seed and confess that seed and say, hey, you know what? No, I'm raised them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, or I am raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. And if, they, if I do think that they're trying to depart from it, I'm going to remind them every time that they ask me for a dollar, because that's my right. You want something from me? You get to listen to me. I learned that a long time. Okay. And my, I already, and I, I mean, my dad did that to me, and that's what I do to my kids. Like, here you go. You know what I mean? So... 
Let's keep, let's try to go. So here, I want to just kind of, uh, I got my notes because I was trying to stay in the time frame here. But uh, <laughs> first, within the context of what we just read, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, first we must, I want us to start to think in this mindset as sometimes we are bound and don't know why things are not happening or that we don't, you know, we don't get good sleep and are worried or anxious all the time. Uh, also, maybe we stay in a constant state of anger or depression, these are all strongholds, okay? These are all access points for, for Satan here or also <clears throat> byproducts, okay? Strongholds are typically an overindulgence in things we find enjoyment, security, and self-worth in, and typically it turns to pride. I'm gonna read this to you. Um, <clears throat> well, actually, um, we'll just talk about it. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, it says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So, and this is, this is interesting, the way that the Lord showed it to me uh, with strongholds and different things like that. And don't think that I'm perfect. God constantly deals with, with me and I have to judge my own heart too. Because if you didn't catch what I said, strongholds are typically an overindulgence in things we find enjoyment, security, self-worth in, and then it t- turns into pride. And I'm going to give you some examples that, that we're not going to like, but we have to judge ourselves. Because if we're going to become more like, if, we, if it's less of me and more of him so that I can experience more of the glory of God, more of the presence of God, just more of God in general, then I constantly have to judge myself and make sure that these little things that, that, that I enjoy uh, don't become idols, okay? Um, and you gotta understand that because the number one thing that Satan wants to get you and I in is pride because even, even the church constantly, constantly misquotes it. It says, it says that a haughty spirit goes before a fall, Pride goes before destruction, utter destruction, 100% embarrassment, destruction. That's what pride goes before. So if you're haughty, you're going to fall. If you're prideful, good look out. You're a wrecking ball meant to happen prophetically through scripture. That is why. You know what I mean? Because you have it all together. You know what I mean? You're, you're God's gift. <clears throat> you're the fourth member of the Godhead, apparently, because you're prideful. You can handle it. Okay, <laughs> there is no fourth member, you know, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Ghost. All right. It's fun. So <laughs> these, like I said, these become idols. Most often, uh, you know, I'm going to pick on men just because I know, but I, you know, uh, realize it, but sports become an idol. It sets precedence over everything else in life and can, and, and it literally cannot be interrupted without great emotional unrest. I can't tell you how many people uh, <clears throat> that I've met that, especially when I was, when I was pastoring full-time, would come to me and tell me, like, well, just so you know, when the Niners start playing, I won't be here anymore. I'm like, cool, you're going to go to your church. You're going to worship, worship your God. And they'd get mad. And I'm like, no, I'm just putting it in perspective. It's all good. I mean, if you're good with the way your life is, because you're coming to me with all of your marriage issues, your, your, your parenting issues, your, your, your work issues... And then you're going to put this before God. So just so you know, this is, this is what's going on. This is the stronghold that is keeping you, okay, from moving forward in the things of God. <clears throat> you know what I mean? <clears throat> I understand. My personality is unique and it's amazing because I like to know the end. Because if I know the end, then it's worth watching. I watch the end of movies. Because if somebody dies, then there's no reason to watch it. If my, if my main dude is gone, then forget that movie. We ain't wasting our time. Kelly knows if she wants me to watch a movie, she watches it first. And then I say, okay, what's it about? 
and, it, and she has to go through, I mean, spoil, 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 cool. Now, I actually want to watch that. Like, I, it's going to be different than the way I imagined, so it's cool. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and I, I do. I enjoy the movie when she does that. When I don't, she doesn't enjoy the movie because I'm like, well, I don't understand. Like, what, why is this happening? And what, she's like, I'm watching it with you. I'm like, yeah, you're supposed to watch it first. Because I... <laughs> So, 22 years of marriage, we figured it out. <laughs> At least that part. <laughs> the TV part. Um, all right. But I've also seen this, because I don't want to just pick on sports, okay? I've also seen a love for cars, motorcycles, that is all-consuming. You know, when you know more about a hobby than the Word of God, it is, it is unbalanced, and it is an idol, and it's become more important than your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And, that is, that, and that's just... That's just, like I said, I'm, woo, no, I understand that. But I'm just, I'm laying it out there for you. Because we, we don't want to have, it says, you know, we don't want to have strong, strongholds in our life. What is a stronghold? Something that, that we're protecting, but at the same time, it's something that we're protecting at the cost of going on with God. The cost of not, of, of, of not increasing in our anointing. You're not going from faith to faith. Okay. You're not expanding in the glory of God, which is the, which is the presence of God, because you're not judging your heart. You're, you're literally putting other things that secret, like, and, and yeah. the funny thing is it's all subconscious, right? I didn't realize that these things, you know, because I was so interested in it, that it, that it basically pushed God out, and this is what, I, this is what defines me, you know? That's one of the things that, you know, that, that helped me is that I don't find my identity in anything that I own or anything that I do. You know? Yeah. If you take it all away, will I be sad? Probably. But will it, will it like utterly destroy me? No, I'm not in pride. It's fine. I'll believe God and figure it out and get, get more motorcycles. You know what I mean? Get more, get, you know, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you, you know, I'm not talking to you about a place that, <clears throat> that I don't have to constantly judge myself in in these areas as well. You know, it's literally, um, <clears throat> okay. So I want to, so and then I want to go over here real quick. I just want to take a look at, in Exodus, I want to take a look at the 10 commandments. Okay. <clears throat> and in, uh, in Exodus uh, verse 20, verse one says this, then God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. <clears throat> you shall have no other gods before me. Okay. You know, part of that was keeping the Sabbath day holy. I'm not, you know, have I missed church? Yes. But the biggest thing is what I, what I feel is you keep in, you have to make sure that God is your, your, your God, your savior. You're the one whom you live for. I don't care who you'll die for. Dying's easy. Dying's, dying's the easy way out. You say, I'll die for my kids. Well, that's cool. Will you live for them? Will you live for God in front of them? Will you raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? Because that's the hard part. <clears throat> the hard part is when you have to apologize to your kids and say, you know what, that's, we don't do it that way. I was wrong. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's humbling. You know what I mean? Because you, you also at the same time have to say, follow me as I follow Christ and you'll do okay. <laughs> you know? Um, for, uh, verse four, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness 
of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them nor serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, inflicting the punishment of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing favor to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You know, I think we talked a little bit about that generational stuff uh, the last time I spoke. All right. In uh, verse 7, it says this, You shall not take the, the name of the Lord your God in vain, So, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. So don't be saying Jesus in the wrong context. Don't be saying, you know, God damn it, unless you're actually asking God to damn something up. <laughs> you know? But like if you get cut, you don't say God damn it. You say blood live. There's, more, there's different ways you can say it. Okay, <laughs> I'm just you know putting in perspective. I don't know about you, but uh, and and you may just be get offended all the way around, and that's cool. That's great. I work construction, so but the F word doesn't bother me as bad as GD does or Jesus. Okay, it bothers me bad, and that's usually when I make things uncomfortable because they're just they're using all the expletives, and then the second they do that, when they say Jesus, I go, yeah, he saves, you know. <laughs> they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, he saves, man. Jesus saves, right? That's what you meant. And they're like, oh, okay. So I might get uncomfortable. That's the point. That's the point, right? So when they say, when they say, God damn it, I say, you know what? He really didn't have nothing to do with this. This was your fault. <laughs> it was my fault. You know, he wasn't here, dude. I mean, <laughs> let me just, let me trust, trust me on this one, you know? Because <laughs> they make the, they make the preacher jokes too. So that's, again, that makes it easier for me to have the context to do that, so to speak. But, but, but still, no. You know what I mean. All right? Nobody likes to... So, so that's, but that's part of it. Like, no, come on. We're not going to take his name in vain. And the real thing is, because I don't want to be standing next to you, because I read the scripture, and I've read other scriptures, and the Lord's, I'm good. You know what I mean? I don't really think he hits you with lightning, but I'm not willing to test that theory either by just going ahead and, and disrespecting, you know, my heavenly father. All right. So <laughs> he said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy for six days. You shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord, your God. And on it, you shall not do any work for your, or your son or your daughter, your male slave servant, female slave, or your cattle or your uh, resident who stays with you for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day for the reason the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All right. He says in verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that the days, your days may be prolonged on the land, which the Lord gives you. Praise God. There's, there's definite benefits in, in uh, honoring your father and your mother, your earthly father and your mother. In 13 says, you shall not murder. Uh, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. That's a fancy way of saying, don't lie. Stop lying. Lying opens the door to strongholds, to Satan having great influence in your life. It's just better to tell the truth. Always in every situation. 17, you shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his male slave or his female slave or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And this brings me kind of to my second point. I know we just kind of talked about the, the stuff that you shouldn't talk about, Pastor. You shouldn't say that, that, you know, I'm not, you know, you shouldn't oust me like that about my football team. You shouldn't oust me about that about my hobby. Okay, I understand that, you know. You do that, you deal with that with the Lord. But I've also seen this, and I've seen this often as well, 
and it, and it, and it, and I, and it, and it's really rough. I've seen relationships destroy a Christian walk. They still come to church. They still, they, you know, uh, and let me put it, let me read it to you the way I wrote it. It says, even when the person feels they are to win the one they love to Christ, what happens is it, it consumes their prayer life and the way that they read their Bible thus making them powerless as they have no relationship with God, their heavenly father, but are consumed with trying to get the one in whom they find all of their self-worth and happiness in to meet Christ. There's no, there's no missionary dating. Now, now in context, okay, it says that if, if, if you're married and you get saved, it says you're not supposed to get divorced. You're supposed to win them over by the conduct your conduct. So the, the changes in your life and your hunger for the things of God, which means that you're not worried about them. God's going to deal with them. And the biggest and greatest testimony you can have is by developing a robust relationship with God. That you should not consume your prayer time. If your prayer time every day is more spent on praying for your spouse than it is communing with God, then you're unbalanced. There's a, there's, a, there's a spiritual stronghold there because you're basically saying my relationship with God is contingent upon their relationship with God and unless they have a good relationship with God and get to where I'm at, oh, there's some pride there. Right. Right. You're the standard, huh? The Bible says, he who compares himself among himself is unwise. You know? It's a big thing. We gotta make sure that we're, we gotta make sure that we're, that we're completely transparent. Before the Lord, making sure that we're focused when it's, when it's us, when it's God, the heavenly father, because what, okay. So Jesus came down on the cross. He bridged the gap, right? It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. But Jesus said himself, he said, I've come that you may know the father. He said, he was, you will worship him in spirit and truth. The true worshipers will worship him, him without, with, with hand, you know, full of faith, without wrath, without doubting, hands lifted high. Okay, so he says, I came to, to, to reconnect you with God, our heavenly father. All right, and when he says, I'm not going to leave you powerless, the Holy Spirit says that the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. Okay, so this is how that whole relationship works. That's how it's the God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. We worship God, our heavenly father. We thank Christ for fulfilling his work and we, we praise him and, 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 you know, yeah, it's not wrong to worship Jesus either. Now, if, you, if, if that's the only person you worship, then Jesus said, again, read, the, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where he talks about it. He says, I, I, the disciple says, are you going to show us the kingdom or show us the father? He goes, I've been showing you this whole time. I've been bridging the gap with you. Like I've been explaining the whole thing to you. And then when he died, was gave us the opportunity to accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior it means to live for him. Christ lived for God is heavenly father. And then the spirit of truth came to lead and guide us unto all truth to help us to understand the words of Christ. All right. To understand the old Testament, to, to, to bridge those gaps, to give us the enlightenment. You know what I mean? It's a, and I don't want to get, try to get too deep or go in a, in a wrong direction. Um, so let's jump back into the word real quick. First Peter chapter three. Okay, verses one and two, it says, in the same way, you wives be subject to your own husbands so that even any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won over without a word, without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your pure and respectful behavior. I believe that this goes both ways. He, he was, for whatever reason, he was writing in the context of the wives, but I believe that if the husband gets saved, 
and the wife's not saved, that the same thing, that she's going to be won over by his conduct, all right? That, that it's going to be pure and respectful behavior that she's going to notice and start to, you know, and want to understand what is exactly going on over there. You know what I mean? That's the biggest thing. All right. Okay, then check it out. And then we're going to switch, kind of go to another gear, okay? Because then there are more design strongholds that we give into from curiosity or fear. All right, and here's a few, here's a few examples. All right, and, we, I've, here's a, and I know Christians that have dabbled in this stuff. And some of them that like, tried to say that they were Christian and actually practiced other forms of, of basic it, witchcraft. And these are this. As simple as, as simple as your horoscope. If you read your horoscope every day, you're giving Satan an opportunity to mess with you. And you're like, well, it's just fun. Yeah, it's cool. It's just fun. It's just fun to, to remember a little leaven. Leaven's the whole lump. Okay? It says uh, Ouija boards. I can't tell you how many people have asked to see the spirit behind the Ouija board. And they say that they've seen Satan or they've seen this. And it's just been, and it's just literally, they went from almost uh, to certain times from oppression to demon possession. Okay, like it's a gateway. It's not. It's not something that we play with. You're like, oh, it's your opinion. Cool. It's 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 my opinion based on the facts that I've seen. Okay, and if you want a life of of, of utter hell on earth, then you play. Go ahead and play with it. I'm gonna, you know, I'll be here when you need delivered. Hopefully, the Lord tells me I get to slap the devil out of you. Okay, <laughs> because if the Lord's in it, then I know He'll leave and it'll work. I promise to never do anything that the Lord doesn't tell me to do. So. <laughs> Then you got, you know, then palm readers. And here's another one. Here's one where people think that it's just kind of, oh, it's just a fun game. Hypnotist. Hypnotist takes you literally out of your consciousness and puts you in a state, into that spiritual state where they tell you what to do. You're controlled. Satan, it says that Satan's walking around as a roaring lion looking whom he made his vower. Let me hypnotize you. Okay? I got some big ideas for that. Not just bark like a chicken, you know, which you can't bark like a chicken, but you know what I mean. And so that's a stupid, the things that I hear. Okay. And here's another thing. Here's something that, you know, even as a teenager that I had to figure out and had to understand, um, because when you're constantly dealing with your fear and everything is scary movies, scary movies are, are inappropriate if you live a life of faith. Are you serious? Are you really going to take that from me? Yes, I'm sorry. It's not that I'm trying to to take anything from you or have fun, but literally what you feed on is what you're going to pull out of when when things happen. And that's why a lot of people, and if if you did, then there's no, I'm not really throwing any shade on you uh, because hopefully you caught yourself and you came back around, but that's why when all of this stuff happened and they said, you have to shut down the church and you have to do all of this and everybody tucked tail and freaking ran because they were feeding on fear. Whereas you can tell my attitude and my father's attitude that we've had lots of fun private conversations where we got each other ramped up. You know what I mean? And there's nothing you can really do about it except for just get up here and preach the word. Because the truth shall set them free. Is your faith in God? You know what I mean? That's the biggest thing. You know, I kind of say this jokingly, but thanks to my parents, I have a lot of Native American blood in me. Just, just from my mom, we have, you know, registered uh, card with roll number, different things like that, just from, just from mom. You know what I mean? Not including, including dad. And so one of the fun jokes is, yeah, you can definitely trust the government. Just ask an Indian. I'll leave that there. Okay. <laughs> All right. 
Okay, and then here's, here's another thing where if, if you really want to get nitty gritty, and I'm not trying to um, push any of my, speci- my opinions or anything on you like this, but we have to be really careful with our, with our identity because there's a lot of this, this whole, everything that I've been preaching to you ends with the fact that we have to make sure we have our identity in Christ, right? But <clears throat> all the way down to where we have to make sure and watch to, to where if we're constantly wanting to dress up in costume and try to become something else, you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, real gross. I'm talking about even at the point to where we have to watch our kids and our teenagers, because if they're constantly wanting to be in costume, they want to be a superhero or they want to do something else. Well, what, what is the root reason? Where is the identity being lost? Because kids get their self-esteem from their fathers. So my kid should want to be like me, and I hate dressing up. I ain't getting in no costume. You know what I mean? It's just not, you know, unless we're going to bed, and it's like, you know, because that's how you get adult onesie. You know what I mean? There you go. But <laughs> get to walk around the house, you know, in comfort. But that's not, you know, but we, ain't, we ain't going out in the store like that. We ain't running around. I don't want to be Superman. You know what I mean? I want to be a man full of faith and power. And we explain that, you know, to my boys, especially that. And we do, we train them up in that way. Like, oh, did they get, oh, did you pray for them? Did you lay hands on them? Did you, because my boys fully expect God to move. Amen. <clears throat> and that, and this is the way that the Lord kind of showed me. He said, he said, all the way down to dressing in costume as it robs us of our identity and makes us wish we were somebody else with different gifts and talents other than our own. And that's the weird thing. God said that each and every one of us are beautifully and wonderfully made. He says, you've been born for such a time as this, which means that God has a specific design and purpose. He knows, it says, the steps of a righteous man are order of the Lord. Therefore, you should be having divine appointments with individuals that need to know Christ all the time all the time. And if you're constantly wanting to be somebody else, then you're despising the way that God made you, your gifts, your talents, because God's going to use your gifts and your talents to meet somebody else. Because somebody that doesn't know Christ doesn't want to know Christ until they get around you. You know what I mean? And this is where, this is where living in a, with a, uh, what is, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, <clears throat> Fasted, like, the way that I look at it is a fasted life, but um, uh, help me out here. You know, not overindulgence. What is the self-control. self-control? Thank you so much. I don't know why my brain goes too fast. So this is where living in self-control keeps what we talked about in the beginning. Okay, like our, our you know, our hobbies keeps it from becoming an idol because God's going to use those interests to create divine appointments. And when somebody else sees that you're free, you know what I mean? Like you get to enjoy this, but it's not consuming you. It doesn't affect you. Well, I want that freedom. You, you, you feel me? So there is, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun life in Christ that helps you be the best version of yourself. All right? It says, and I, and I wrote it this way because this is, I know it does. I know it sounds extreme, but the fight to keep you from taking ground and even taking control of your own life is very extreme. Okay, that's what Satan wants. He doesn't want you to take any ground for Christ, not even your own life. He doesn't want you to be led by the spirit of God so that you can actually live an overcoming life, live for heaven on earth. The power and the presence of God. 
Because that's, if you truly love God, that's the most important thing to you. That's what you desire the most is the power and the presence of God. You desire that more than money. Because why? Because I'm chasing where it says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. But if I don't meet with the Lord, I ain't getting blessed. I ain't getting the blessing. You know what I mean? Because that's what, and that's the Lord constantly when you look at it, he says, come, let's hang out. That's my paraphrase, but there's multiple scriptures. that basically come unto me. All right. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, I'm going to read verse, uh, start at verse nine here. It says, and when you come into the land, which the Lord God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire or one who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer, one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. This is a big one because some young Christians, they want to talk to a, a, a dead relative and they pursue this stuff and it opens the door. To, to some real nasty stuff. He's saying this stuff will not even be in the nation at all. You, they will, no one will ever be able to set up shop on the land that I give you. He said, for all that do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you will dispose, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. And going into the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, he says this, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind. I will write them in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And if you go into another chapter in Hebrews ten sixteen, it says this, and this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law into their hearts and in their minds, I will write them. <clears throat> In Mark 16, 15 through 18, all right, is the great, is the great commission, uh, and, it, it, and it, it talks about this, and this is kind of an interesting thing, and I'm trying to speed up real quick, okay, because I want to get you to some, to some good stuff here. Um, you know, when, when I read that part in, in, in Deuteronomy, when it talks about that's all an abomination, there's, there's actually a bunch of different passages where it says that throughout the Old Testament. So it's not just a one standalone thing. We just don't have time to go through it all. All right. And this is kind of a really cool thing. All right. In, in Mark chapter 16, 15 through 18 says this, because this is what you and I should be constantly having on the forefront of our head. This is, this is what we do. This is our mode of operation. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And then here's the fun part. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. So there's no demon that's more powerful than you if you're walking in Christ. If you know who you are in Christ. You don't have to be afraid. Okay? They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, need to, I need to dissect this one portion for you guys. Because I don't have snakes in the back. Okay, we're not going to be passing them out. It says they will take up serpents. Okay, not that kind of church. A type of church that goes straight to the Greek to figure out what the heck are you talking about? You know what I mean? What, what, what? This is weird. So I'm not going to be able to. So it's kind of a two-part thing. And the first part is they shall take up. And then, so I don't know how to say it. You can look it up if you want to learn. If you speak Greek, then you can tell me later. If not, that's not the point. The point is, is that this is what it says. To lift up. So when they say they shall take up, 
They will lift up by implication to take up or away. It says figuratively to raise the voice, keep in suspense the mind, especially to sail away. It says uh, to expiate sin. So basically he's saying, I'm going to take up, okay, but take away. I'm going to raise my voice. Uh, Serpents, it says a snake, but figuratively as a type of sly and cunning an artful, malicious person, especially Satan. So they will take up certain. They will take up serpents. Means that I will be able to take up and remove him from the picture. Because I don't do it in my name, I do it in Christ's name. Literally, be able to remove that element that 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 what they feel is a stronghold. What they feel is something like, well, I just can't. When the demon speaks through the individual and says, you can't have them, they're mine. They sold their soul to me. No, no, no. Somebody who is actually more powerful than you has, is here. And they've already asked for deliverance. Therefore, you must leave in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And if you actually have a relationship with the Lord your God and you are known, you know God and God knows you, it's 100% effective. I mean, there's, if you study different individuals that, that the, the, the longest that I've seen any from, from the Bible, from Jesus and from men of God that have, that have passed away and that have transferred their, their knowledge to us, the longest anybody has ever had to fast and pray to, 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 to cast out somebody who was actually demon possessed is three days. They did a three day fast so that they could separate themselves from everything from the world and go in there in the power and the presence of God. It's an amazing thing. What you and I actually carry around. Do you know that we can literally speak peace to every situation under our breath because you're there? Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. If you see people wilding out in the store and, you, and it's freaking your kids out and you're not, you're just, you know, and you're starting to get irritated. If you just check inward instead of mentally, but you check inward and you're full, meaning you've been spending time in the word, you've been spending time in prayer. I know exactly what's going to happen because it happens to me all the time. Because I want to knock somebody out and I'm like, oh Lord, in Jesus name. And he says, take authority over it. Oh, yeah. Lord, I take authority over that, right? I'm, this, is, this is as loud as I'm talking. I'm, I don't want anybody to hear. I take authority over it right now in the name of Jesus. I speak peace to this situation. As long as I'm here, peace will be here. And you watch. People will calm down. Why? Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. They don't want to keep acting crazy because if it is demon-inspired, it could get really bad. There ain't no pigs around here. All the pigs are slaughtered and dead in the frozen section. <laughs> I ain't looking for them. I don't walk around looking for demons, okay? That's not what we do. But if, but if, it, but if it shows up, I'm ready. I'm good. Locked and loaded. You know what I mean? Because I know. Because I live this life. I understand what God, what Jesus told me to do in Mark chapter 16, 15 through 18. Jesus told me that I'm going to cast out demons. 
So if Jesus told me to do it, and that's my big brother, because through Christ I was adopted, I read Ephesians chapter 1, and I pray the second half of Ephesians prayer as much as I possibly remember to, that I, 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 to give me a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him, because I want to understand. And the back part of that says that the power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of you and I, and I say, Lord, teach me how to release that power to myself and those that are around me. I want resurrection power through my prayers. It says in Ephesians, right there, that second, that, that, that second part, that prayer. It says, pray that over yourself. You know what I mean? There's nine types of prayer. That's one of those prayers that you can pray over yourself every single day. <clears throat> okay. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, I'm, let's just blow through this real quick. It says, and when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And dis-ease is just dis-ease. You see somebody that's uncomfortable? Let's pray for them. I gave you guys my testimony. I don't know. It's been, a, it's been what, maybe a couple months or whatever. But there was a language barrier between me and an individual in the, in the hospital. So I asked him. I did my hand motions. We played charades. And he understood what I wanted to do. Pray for him. And then the Lord said, pray for him again. I'm like, I already prayed for him. Like, what the heck? <clears throat> And so, but then the Holy Spirit told me, he says, use your Google Translate, type it all out there, translate it to Spanish, hand him your phone. So that's what I did. So he knew exactly what it was that I decreed and declared over his life by the Spirit of God. And he was way more appreciative after he read what I, what I prayed than when I initially prayed. I could tell that, he, that I felt the power of God go into him, but at the same time, it sank in. It came home when he, when he was able to understand what was articulated. You know what I mean? And why did I do that? Because the Spirit of God told me to do that, but also because the Word of God is telling me to do it right now. It's telling you to do it. Rather step out and be embarrassed now that I'm a little bit older than just not step out at all. I hate regret. Missed opportunities bring regret, and I don't know about you, but I tend to sulk, so it takes a few hours of my life. That it would just, if you know what I mean? And if I miss God, I can, it doesn't even phase me. Like, oh, I don't know, nothing happened, oh well. You know what I mean? I feel like I did what God asked me to do. But here's the other thing that you got to rest in. It says that Jesus even laid hands on some people and it looked like nothing happened. It says that they were healed as they went. As they went believing, they had the, they had the, it manifested. So it's me being obedient and somebody else being obedient. You have to have faith to pray and faith to receive. You know, in John chapter 14, verse 12, he says this, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. And here's the thing, biggest, here's one of the things I want you to understand too, real quick. And it says, Satan wants you and I consumed with the, with this tangible world around us so that we will not do what God has designed you and I to do, and, that, and, and it is this, it's which to take dominion over your life and begin to set the captives free. I mean, you're by design, you go to this church. Luke 4, 18. It's right there. That's, that's part of your commission as a member. As somebody who submitted to Pastor Mark, saying, oh, 
Well, if, it, if, if it's on him, when, when, you know, and if you understand anything biblically with the Levitical priesthood and different things, and if you don't, that's cool. Let me just share a real quick tidbit. When they, flow, when they poured the anointing over Aaron's head, the, the full bottle of, of, of olive oil, it said that it ran down his head, down his beard, down. <clears throat> that's the body of Christ. It was a type and representation, meaning the anointing was going to cover the entire. entire. So when you line yourself up, when you're biblically correct, okay, and you say, I'm submitted I'm submitted to this guy. You operate in that anointing throughout the week. So if you're like, man, Pastor Mark's just an amazing guy. When he prays for me, man, I just, I just, I sense the power of God and it just, and I, and I, and I get healed and it's just an amazing thing. When you step out, you're underneath that anointing. God's going, God's, God, God flows through that. Because God knows what you're being taught here. He knows that if you, that if you use the word of God, not what the preacher said, but the scriptures that he's giving you to, to build you up, to, to, to build your faith, that when you decree the, your faith in the word that he's bringing to you, not in him, but in God, because pastor's here to point you to, have, to, to, to God, your heavenly father, but it talks about being uh, biblical submission and authority. And part of that is because God has anointed him. He does have a special anointing on his life to be a pastor, to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover to a different, to a greater degree. Actually, the anointing is to, he doesn't, it's not anointed to live it, but he's anointed to, to live it. Meaning that he doesn't have anything extra that, that makes his temptations less or anything like that, but he has, he does have an anointing to live consecrated. And that's why, that's what you, that's what you guys are drawn to is that he's accepted that, that anointing. And if you accept that anointing, people will be drawn to you because you're living consecrated to Christ. Therefore, when you pray, when you lay hands on somebody, these things happen. When you're submitted through this, you'll see there's, there's the, 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 your, your anointing, there's, there's a greater anointing. When the prayer team comes up here every Sunday morning, pastor just doesn't do that to appease some people that want to pray. He says, I don't have time. I want to shake everybody's hand. Everybody in this church needs a touch on Sunday morning. So I'm going to touch them as they leave. And here's my extension of my arms, my hands and feet. And these guys have been commissioned and anointed. And my anointing rests upon them. And when they pray for you, it's going to break the yoke. Any stronghold that's happening, it's going to break. Because they're submitted under that anointing. There's a supernatural thing that happens in that environment right then and there. All right. Uh, let me just finish reading Luke 14. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who, who are oppressed. All of this can be accomplished in our lives if we take the time to submit ourselves to Christ and find out again who we are in Christ according to the scriptures. You know, your effectiveness literally begins and ends with who you are in Christ. I started this four weeks ago and a little bit longer because pastor, you know, five weeks ago and I gave you that, that list. I said, these are the word key phrases you need to start looking up in the word of God and start digesting, you know, begin to mutter. All right. It says, why? Because you need to get those into your spirit so that they come up. When you're like, dang, I'm such a loser. No, I'm not. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I have the mind of Christ. Thank you, Lord. So instead of, you know, and you start consulting with him before you make decisions. So you start having less and less of those I'm a loser moments. <laughs> you say, man, I just, I don't know today. I just feel ugly. Really? Because 
You've made, <laughs> you're made in the righteousness of God. It says you're reflecting. You've made in the image of the one true and living God. When you start to understand how God sees you, because God sees you in Christ. Every time he sees you, every time he hears you, if you're, if you're pursuing him and pursuing righteousness, he says, oh, there's an extension of my son. Did, 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 did God ever deny Christ anything when he prayed? When you read in the word? And if you haven't read, read. See if, God, see if he ever denied Jesus every time that he consulted. Even when he fed the 5,000 with the, with the uh, two loaves and three fish, <clears throat> it doesn't say that Jesus looked at it and was like, oh God, what are we going to do? That wasn't his prayer. It says that he just looked up. Well, hey, what's up? He got his, mind, he got his eyes off the problem. 5,000 people were fed. You know what I mean? It's pretty, pretty cool. Um, you know, sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes there's a stronghold that we need help dealing with, you know, <clears throat> as we have opened the door and don't know how to shut it. And this is where I kind of talked a little bit about it, but this is where your pastor becomes pivotal, okay? If you got some things in your life that's going on that just are unexplainable and some things that you just keep hitting and you're like, I, 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 I don't know what's going on, but it's bringing me great anxiety. It's bringing me depression. It's bringing me this. There's probably some spiritual things behind it. And this is where you need to, you need to schedule something. You know, I believe you have to do it through Leticia, but you need to schedule something ASAP and talk to your pastor. You know, I've, I, my dad has. My dad, I've, you know, he's, he's cast things out, cast things off. Um, and he'll get you saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and you'll live a very, you'll become an overcomer. You'll overcome that thing, and then you'll start to have many breakthroughs. That's what you'll, you'll be known for, is breakthroughs, not, you know what I mean, uh, <clears throat> backwards or whatever. Anyways, all right. Uh, as you submit to them as your spiritual covering, you give them authority to cast whatever demon is tormenting you off and breaking their power Again, but this is two-sided. You have to become a student of deliverance by having a daily word and prayer time and becoming confident of who you are in Christ through salvation. That's the biggest thing. Salvation is perpetual. It's not necessarily often taught, meaning that, oh, well, I said the prayer, so I'm saved. Are you saved? Because you have to be saved from yourself every single day. That's why he says renewing of your mind by the washing of the water of the word. Because if I don't read the word, I respond very carnal. I respond in the flesh. Now I, I actually added extra steps because now I have to repent. <laughs> then I have to pray. Whereas if I would have you know, prayed, if I would have just been like, okay, God, what's going on? Then I could have just prayed. You know what I mean? I don't, I'd save myself a little bit of embarrassment. You know, but that's a big thing is making sure that you have that daily word and prayer time every single day. You can stay in an attitude of prayer all day, but you need to have some dedicated times. You know, and there's no reason for you and I not to do this with all, this, with all the crazy apps. They will literally send you a scripture. Because when I first got these apps, they, of course, they just assume that you don't read your Bible and that's what you want. And I had a hard time telling them to shut up, trying to figure it out. Who knows? I may have had a youth help me. Like, I don't need any notifications. I like reading the Bible, and I use this app to find something when I need it. I don't want, to, I don't want a daily scripture. That's just me, because I've been doing this for a long time. But what I'm saying for those of you that are like, well, I just don't have time. You have time to read a text. They'll text you one every day. 
and you could think about that one and meditate on it. All right? You know, all, again, all deliverance begins with submission to Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm almost done here, I'm going to quit. But verse uh, 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's the fun part, is that the lease that Satan had on you is over. He can't come near you without permission. When you accept Christ, you're free of all debts. Your sin is no longer accounted to you. You are no, he says that your sin, that you, there you were <clears throat> red as scarlet, you were washed white as snow. He says he takes it all, throws it into a sea of forgetfulness, will never be held to, to your account. So when your trial at the end of your life, Satan's going to try to say all these things and Jesus is going to get up and go, <clears throat> but the blood. Yeah. And he's going to go, acquitted, done. Let's go. Let's go party. We've got a seven-year party. We've got to get started. <laughs> That's what happens with the rapture. Okay? So <clears throat> Hebrews 2, 14, real quick, says, Inasmuch as, as then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through, through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who, who, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed... He does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. And that's a big thing. Just know that Jesus is your ever present help in time of trouble. He said that no temptation has ever come, has ever taken you out except that which is common to man. He said when the temptation becomes too great, he always provides a way out. So none of us can actually, honestly, truthfully say, well, I was just tempted beyond my capacity. The Bible says that's impossible. We may have a weak moment, but again, it takes, that always sets us back. And the, and the goal is, is to walk and talk with God every day so that it's hard to take Satan up on those temptations. Do I really want to stop? Because I know for a fact that if I do that, that the power and the presence of God will leave me. Is it worth the presence of God? I love music. So a lot of times this happens to me with music. Like, oh, I remember that song when I was a teenager. I remember this. I want to listen to that. And I'll get through one verse and I'll click it off. And I'll go right back to my worship music. Why? Because I like worship music better? No. No. My flesh, the whole reason I put that song on is because my flesh was like, let's party. Okay? You know, let's have some fun. Let's remember some fun times. Let's do, you know, whatever. You know? But the second that I put it on, I recognized, okay, this transaction is not going to go the way that I want. I'm going to get ripped off. The presence of God, this is not magnifying the presence of God in my car. So we're going to switch it back up because that's what I'm wanting. I'm wanting to be able to, if God wants to speak to me, this is, this is mostly my quiet time. I want to hear clear. <laughs> you know, it's just put it in perspective for you. That's like I said, tell you something that I, that I deal with. And then the last scripture of the night in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, it says this, this should be you and I, for in him, we live and move and have our being. As also some of your, your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. 
for it's in him that we live and move and have our being. So when you identify those strongholds, the true deliverance comes through a life that is subjected to Christ. That's the biggest thing. You know what I mean? Because most of, most of what the devil's messing with you on right now can be overcome with literally getting, your, getting some self-control through the word of God. Not being so easily manipulated through temptation. Because the more, when you start reading the word of God and really, and, and just, and it's funny, it's like, well, that's easy for you to say, you know, you're a pastor, you study the word all the time. Let me tell you that I didn't even want to be a pastor because Pastor Mark freaking quotes scripture like crazy, right? I can't memorize nothing to save my life. I can't, when I, you notice when I say the word of God says, because if you go, pastor, where's that at? I don't know, I'm gonna pull my phone up just like you. I'm gonna type in the scripture in my Bible gateway and I'm gonna find out where the reference is and I'm gonna share that with you. Because, because the Lord told me as a young man, he says, listen, I didn't write you, I didn't, the, the, the book's not written for you to study to tell others. The book is written for you to study and to become who you are supposed to be in Christ. So I read this every day in context of I'm talking to God and God is talking to me. You get a benefit of the byproduct because I stay full. So when you come and talk to me and have a conversation, when you have a, a when you talk about your problem and we talk about a situation, I'm like, well, this, because I'm full, because I'm communing with God all the time, God speaks. And, and I'm like, well, what comes up in my spirit is this. This is what we need to pray. And this is, you know, maybe this will help you. And but it's because I take the time to develop myself personally, not because I'm reading the Bible for somebody else. Because if I'm reading the Bible for somebody else, it goes back to the beginning of this message where it could potentially become a stronghold. My pride, God put me here to read this for you? Who am I? I'm not dying for you. Somebody already did. We're good. That part's done. Doesn't need to be repeated. You know what I mean? What I need to do is live, live for you. Because God's going to use me, he's going to use you to bring a word in due season. How great it is. Because every time a word is spoken in due season, it brings peace. That's the other thing. If you think you got a word from God, or if something's, you know, especially when it comes to the word, because Satan will use the word to try to mess with you, okay? You have to judge it. You want to read it in context. And you have to judge it. Because is it bringing peace? Or unrest, because every time the spirit of God is in it, even when I don't like it, even when it's intense correction, Adam, you have to change the way that you're living. You have to change the way that you're doing things. You have to change. Really, Lord, this is, I don't, you know, dang it. You know? Yeah, you got to change. Okay, well, here we go. Praise God, your grace is sufficient. Even in those times when you're just kind of like, there's great peace. When there's a word from God that I'm like, yeah. And it's like, why does this not feel right? I go and research it. I study it in context. I do, yeah, it's not going to work. It's not going to be able to be applied right here. And how do I know that? Because the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. If I have peace, I know that it's God leading me. If I don't have peace, I need to check it. I need to pause. I need to do some prayer and fasting. It's not time to hit, you know, switch gears. It's time to pull over. You know what I mean? That's, the, that's, that's, that's really what's going on. And I believe that, that, that's helping some of you here, is that we're making sure, because 
a scripture taken out of context can do, can do great harm. You know, and one of the reasons why, you know, because my mom was just as ornery as I was, as I am. So we used to love just taking scripture out of context to just joke with each other to prove a point. But the thing was that we both knew the word of God, so we both knew what was going on. You know what I mean? And, and, I, and I, liked, I enjoyed that so much that I remember I had another friend that I used to work out with years and years and years and years ago. And uh, he's, a, he's a preacher, but I would do that to him and I'd get him so, oh, like, are you serious? Like the Bible, yeah, the Bible says that. And I'm like, bro, I'm messing with you. Like everything that I just said was out of context. I was just like totally messing with you because you were giving me pushback. So I'm ornery. So I'm gonna use the word of God to validate me being a jerk. But I'm gonna tell you that, I'm, but at the end, I'm gonna be like, I'm just joking. But you're too easy. Like this is not good. <laughs> And that's how I know. You know what I mean? Because I live, this is, this is what I live and breathe. Because this is what my mama taught me to do. This is what my dad has taught me to do. You know? It was, it, it's, it's definitely, my dad is always, this, this is why this church is so biblically sound. Because Pastor Mark is 100% the word. He's always kept our family the word, you know, my, my, my Pentecostal side was my mama, you know, that's where I get my boldness and my craziness and everything else, you know what I mean, because it just is, oh, there's a demon, let's whoop it, <laughs> I brought a whooping stick, let's have fun, you know what I mean, like, that's the, the, the facts of life there, but, uh, I'm going to shut up. Let's just go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this wonderful opportunity to gather together in your name. I thank you, Lord, that I've just <laughs> endeavored to speak uh, in, a, in a way that, that, that will help everybody that's been listening and that will listen to this, <clears throat> to this message, Father. I just ask that you move on their hearts and just show them, Father, what it is that's going on on the inside of them that, 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 that they need to tweak with the word of God, that the, what they need to do, Father, so that they can experience, go from faith to faith and glory to glory, Father. That's the biggest thing in Revelations when it talks about going from faith to faith and glory to glory. We all want more of you, Father, and less of us. If there's anybody, if you guys have your eyes closed, if there's anybody in this room and you say, hey, I do not have a relationship with God at all, everything you said was, was interesting. But even though, you know, as I was sitting here, I came to the conclusion that I do need a relationship with this one that you say is Jesus. I need a relationship with God. I, need, I, want, I want that. And that's what I came here tonight in search of, and I was curious. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that if you'd like, I'd love to pray with you. So if there's anybody in this room that you say, hey, pastor, will you pray with me? Will you, will you lead me in a prayer? Because I don't know how to pray. Yes, absolutely, I'll lead you in a prayer. So if there's anybody in this room that says, hey, I'd like you to pray with me right now. <clears throat> Raise your hand as high as you can, because if not, we're going to go on to the next thing. Just don't want to not give people an opportunity to accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and get free, because there's a freedom. So as the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. That's what's so amazing, is that it, there's like a million pounds comes off your chest when you accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's the most freeing experience that I've ever had ever in, in my entire life. And that's why I keep pursuing him because I'm going to maintain. He says, the Bible says this, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And boy, was he telling the truth. 
it's fun walking through life with an easy burden and a, and, and, a, and a light yoke, knowing that he's got me. I don't ever have to be the lead ox or, the, or how, if you understand that statement, meaning I'm the second one. He's doing most of the pulling. I just have to walk beside him, walk and talk with God in my life. My steps, it says the steps of a righteous man are order the Lord. <clears throat> and I love it. I'm a very strong leader. But the thing is, is that the reason I can be a leader is because I'm led by him. I'm led by the leader.